This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. All right, we digress. So I know you want to get to something else. I want to ask you about real quickly the deep dive the athletic did with Kevin Fishbane, Adam Johns, and Joe Person from Charlotte. It was the third basically retelling or telling of the process involved in draft and in trading the pick from one to nine. And uh, we learned some other details, but I, Dan, initially, my, my reaction is I love good journalism, and I think the sports writing, I'm a big fan because I, you know, it's, it's sometimes still M1, but I, um, I'm i surprised, I think, that this has been a story told now three times. I'm surprised at the emphasis the Bears have allowed to occur on the process over the outcome because the more I read about this, this has been so process-oriented. We know everything that was going through Ryan Poles' mind every step of the way. Well, those are some good friends that uh, of mine that, that participated in that group effort at The Athletic and put together a pretty comprehensive report on things. I think you are right in saying that, look, like the spotlight ultimately goes to the result. And the result is a long way off. The result is probably four years away before we know what the Bears' return on this trade actually is. They have to use all those picks. (laughs) They have to turn all those picks into something before you know whether they got a good deal or whether they passed up things. There are a lot of things that we're going to have to revisit. And the journalism four years from now is going to be more important in terms of how did they evaluate the quarterbacks who did or did not become game-changing uh, playmakers in the NFL? What what other options did they have? All those different things. We've talked about those, the RG3 trade and, and, and how little that ultimately returned for the Rams when they got that huge haul and gift basket of picks many years ago. Um, so, so, the outcome of this trade is going to be a lot more fascinating than 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 how it happened to begin with, in my mind. Um, that said, like I, I'm all for understanding in the moment how decision makers went about making decisions. Every little bit of information we get to that end is valuable to us as as journalists, is valuable to our audience to just understand how you got from point A to point B. That's the stuff that 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 fascinates me in terms of decision-making philosophy and decision-making goals and, and, and aggressiveness and, and risk tolerance and all those things that come with this. Um, so it, 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 it's been interesting. I think the last three weeks to learn more about that trade. I, I just, I, I just still don't know that it's as landmark just because it's the number one overall pick. I don't know that this trade was as, as landmark as it's been framed really since last November. Right. Well, let me ask you three questions that I asked Kevin Fishbane on football night in Chicago on NBC Sports Sports Chicago on Tuesday night, okay, pertaining to this story specifically because I am curious about it as well, and I respect the heck out of all of them, um, and and they are friends. So I am not – I'm not – it's exactly the same story you or I would have done and the same approach we would have taken. Um, I think the content and what we learned is what raises more questions for me than doing it at all. I get why you would do it. The Athletic does a terrific job on stories like these. Number one, 
what in the world was Ryan Poles doing calling Kyle Davidson for advice? <laughs> the Blackhawks general manager who's been here five minutes and frankly hasn't really distinguished himself as somebody whose opinion I would seek. Why did he do that in your mind? And what did you think of it? Well, look, I, one thing I really admire about Ryan uh, as a leader, as a general manager, he's, he's not he's not tunnel visioned. He's not, I got to work in this football sphere. He's reached out to front office people in baseball to get new insight into in analytics and how certain things work. He's now obviously reached out to people in hockey because in this case, it sounds like from reading the piece that he was interested in how um, adding a player into the mix of a trade that includes a lot of other draft picks affects the value of the trade. And so, so he was just trying to get a little more insight there. Ryan is nothing if not thorough. And, and and we in Chicago should not scoff at thoroughness because I think there's going to be a new level of thoroughness, not only from the general manager, but from the people supervising the general manager, i.e. Kevin Warren, uh, that is going to help them put up more guardrails when they're making big, important decisions. I don't know how it relates in this case, but but that, that certainly seemed to be an example of wanting Fair to be enough. More Fair enough. But there's a difference, Dan, between Brian Cashman and Kyle Davidson. Brian Cashman, <laughs> the Yankees general manager, who spent the day with Ryan Poles last May. Kyle Davidson, who just traded Patrick Kane and has done a good job of unloading players, but he's in the midst of the teardown. Maybe there's some apples-to-apples apples comparisons there. I will allow it. He's curious. He wants to leave no stone unturned. I just wonder, if you're going to call an executive in Chicago right now, Here's Jed Hoyer's number, all right? Maybe that would be a better way to go than Kyle Davidson, but we digress. Secondly, did you get the impression that as much as Ryan Poles talked about the anxiety that he felt having the number one overall pick and the relief that he felt <laughs> after making the trade because now he could sleep at night, that the anxiety and the pressure compelled him to make the move sooner rather than later? And that's my maybe part of a big reason why – we have the trade when we had the trade. I don't think it was the driving force, but I do think it was a factor, right? Because it wouldn't have been brought up as often as it has been if it wasn't a factor. Um, and so look like <laughs> I, I, I get it, you know, from a human standpoint, I can understand how that type of, uh, of pressure and that type of decision every single day that you're thinking about it kind of, potentially leads you to paralysis by analysis. And and so when you had an offer that you felt comfortable with, it's not like they, they reached at an offer that the rest of the league laughed at talking to people in, in Phoenix last week, everyone loved this deal, yep. you know, for, from the bears standpoint, they think the, right. the, the, the Panthers obviously made up for the loss of DJ Moore by going out and signing a couple of proven veterans to replace him. But, but no one was going, boy, the Bears really got, you know, <laughs> got taken on that one. They feel really good about the return the Bears got, particularly DJ Moore. Um, and so, so like, I don't think it was a panic decision, but I do think you're right in bringing up the idea that that, that anxiety was in the back of Ryan's head. I really like the DJ Moore addition. I think it was, we have talked about a lot that having that number one wide receiver is the best thing you can do for a young quarterback. <sighs> That's why it surprised me to learn that, Dan, it seemed like DJ Moore was third on the list of players they wanted included in the trade. According to the story, there was Brian Burns, the edge rusher, Derek Brown, the three-technique defensive tackle, and then DJ Moore. I, I, I wonder if that's the way you interpreted that, if it suggests that the Bears settled 
for DJ Moore over the other two guys. And if they did want the other two guys first, what that might say about, if anything, the commitment to Justin Fields. Well, no, I don't think it says a ton there. I think it, it okay. speaks more to positions of need. And, and I, I think you and I both sit here today on April 5th and go, good God, the defensive front needs help. You know, that that, that need right. is is blinking. Right. The red light is blinking. Need, 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 need. And so they tried to address one there. We mentioned they tried to address with some big swings in free agency, and they haven't been able to connect. The other notable part about this deal to me, David, is that they had to settle for the 49ers second round pick in that trade, the one that the Panthers got in the Christian McCaffrey trade. It's the second time now in two high profile deals where they've had to settle for something further down the draft board. We obviously know uh, what happened back in the fall when they had to give up <laughs> the, the, the number 32 overall pick instead of number 53 uh, to, to Pittsburgh for, for, for the Chase Claypool trade. And so now you've, you've, you've left yourself some, if anxiety bothered Ryan Poles in the, in trying to trade this number one pick, it's really going to bother him from the time he goes to bed on the Thursday of draft weekend to the time the Bears pick again on Friday, because there's going to be 40 plus players that come off the board in what the Panthers in that story that you referenced identified as their sweet spot in the draft. They think in that 20 to 50 range is, is, is a really nice fertile ground of talent in this draft class. And the Bears aren't going to be able to, to enjoy any of it because they weren't able to get that part of the deal uh, swung in their favor as much as they probably wanted to. My last thing on this story is a positive observation. Not that those other ones were negative. I was just curious. But Ryan Poles, understanding David Tepper from having interviewed with the Panthers, David Tepper, the aggressive owner, the aggressive businessman for the Panthers, he's a guy that I think Ryan Poles knew might, once he got involved, want to act quicker sooner rather than later. Also, the relationship with Scott Fitterer, the general manager, who he got to know as a scout on the road and sharing, you know, uh, dinners or drinks or whatever the case may be, I think it says a lot about somebody who's an executive. We talk about relationships all the time, understanding how to, let's face it, not necessarily use those relationships, but let those relationships inform how you do your business. And this story revealed an example in those two cases that Ryan Poles was able to do just that. Also interesting, and as, as an extension of that, he seemed to get a little bit of cold feet in working with Nick Casario, the Texans, and not understanding what the Texans' true intentions were. Why that's notable to me is because Ryan Pace, Ryan Poles' predecessor, talked all the time about how he liked doing business with Nick Casario. I think most notably recently, the Bears traded up to get David Montgomery in 2019 with a deal with the Patriots and Nick Casario. They also traded Martellus Bennett to New England back in the day, if you recall that. And so it's interesting how... Um, Different GMs have different relationships with different people that then sort of kind of steer them in different directions. We'll see where that all heads. Um, I, like I look like I, a couple things for me about Ryan Poles is, again, the thoroughness is obvious. I think there's also a greenness to all this that's obvious. I think we all have to remember that he's only been through one previous offseason before this in this chair with this kind of role. And I think it's really easy to just think that he's some finished product in a role and he's going to be executive of the year five times. I think there's a greenness to all of this that even he would openly acknowledge um, after, you know, what is it, 15 months now? in this chair that, that, that he's still working through and he's still trying to, to understand, you know, what he doesn't know and, and how he needs to get better in certain areas. And that's all going to play into what happens these next three weeks and the three weeks beyond that. And then obviously for three years beyond that. Yeah. I still love the trade. I still think it was the right one to make. And I'm not trying to, 
you know, question that or second guess that or reverse that. And, and we were talking about this a little bit on the on the Mullen Haas show on Wednesday morning and Texter referred to us as the nattering nabob of negativity. Now, we're not trying to be that and I can't hardly say it again, so don't ask me to. But I just think that raised some really interesting questions. And I, the, the final one that I had, then we can wrap this up, was that how surprised are you that we know this much about this deal? Because this is the third national outlet that Ryan Poles has shared the details of of a pretty, you know, private process. Typically, we find out things after the fact, but they're not always confirmed or there's not always a consensus, you know, narrative. But we now have heard from Peter King and Albert Breer and now The Athletic. He has now established exactly what has happened throughout the process. And I wonder... Uh, how unusual you think that is? Well, I, I, what it illuminates to me is the Bears' relevance in the NFL conversation. They have been irrelevant for so long that now you have a lot of outside outlets shining a brighter spotlight on what they're doing on an everyday, every week basis than we've had for the last four plus years. And so it feels new and it feels uh, new to some extent to have a general manager who's open and and willing to do these kinds of things. Ryan Pace did these things as well. You know, I I, <laughs> I wrote the big deep dive on on their discovery of Mitch Trubisky with the you know back in 2017 that now becomes fodder for for comic relief for Bears fans I'm going oh man he drove a Camry and he you know he made a reservation under the name James McMahon and all these things like GMs when they feel like they've done something successful are very willing to share their methodology for doing something successful. It doesn't always turn out to be successful, Great point. as we've that's mentioned. And that's why the yeah. outcome is, is is very valuable, you know, three, four years down the road to kind of explore I, all this. I, I'd say I'm pleasantly surprised because it, you hope that that level of um, candidness and forthrightness and transparency continues to exist on, on bigger things. Because if you're confident in what you do, uh, y- you shouldn't be reluctant to tell people how you do what you do. Maybe that's what Kyle Davidson told him he should do. You know, be as open as possible. <laughs> Heck, I traded Patrick Kane on Chicago Blackhawks TV. And he did. He did. They videotaped him talking to Patrick Kane and saying, Patrick, we have a deal. So maybe it all maybe that was the advice to be as open as possible. But we digress and getting a little silly here.